What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Dublina Chakraborty. And I'm Sarah Dowdy. And the topic we're about to discuss isn't exactly obscure. And at least some of our listeners, the British contingent that is, probably won't be able to say that they missed it in history class. It has to do with a certain celebration that's coming up in England on November 5th. Some call it Bonfire Day, others call it Fireworks Night, and still others know it as Guy Fawkes Day, referring to the man whose name is most associated with the notorious gunpowder plot, a thwarted attempt to blow up Parliament on November 5th, 1605. It's also called the powder treason. Yeah, and people celebrate or commemorate this day in different ways, and it's changed a lot over the years. But the alternate names for the event really give you a good general idea of what goes on. People set off fireworks, and they light up their bonfires. And often atop of those bonfires, they'll burn Guy Fox in effigy. So that might throw some of you guys for a loop. Children will often sell those effigies eventually. They call them guys. They'll go out and they'll sell them on the street and they'll ask for a penny for the guy. And those same kids are probably also pretty familiar with a famous rhyme. Do you want to read it off for our listeners, Dublina? Sure. It's, remember, remember the 5th of November, gunpowder, treason, and plot. I see no reason why gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. 
And thanks, at least in part, to pop culture references, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but many people outside of the UK have heard this rhyme, too, and perhaps they even know the name Guy Fawkes. I mean, if you've ever seen the 2006 movie V for Vendetta, for example, this will surely ring a bell. Or if you just work in the How Stuff Works office, one of our co-workers, Jonathan Strickland of Tech Stuff, is... Definitely a fan of, of rattling off this rhyme from time to time. It's always fun to hear. Yeah, and he and I were actually talking about that in reference to the fact that there are a lot of misconceptions out there about who exactly Guy Fox was and what November 5th is commemorating. Some simply think that Fox was the hero of the day, and they might be surprised to learn what we just told you, that he's burned in effigy. Or they at least think that he was the mastermind of the gunpowder plot, which wasn't the case at all. He's actually kind of a minor character. In Not a master story. criminal at all, really. Right. So we're going to take a closer look at the gunpowder plot, the motives behind it, and the players involved, including who really instigated the whole thing. And we're also going to discuss some conflicting theories over the origins of the plot, but we're going to get to that later. First, we're going to give you the generally accepted version of events. And to do that, we need to kind of set the scene a bit. So there is an overarching conflict at the time, which ends up leading to the events we'll discuss. And the conflict is between English Catholics and English Protestants. And by the time the gunpowder plot was devised, Catholics in England had had a pretty rough go of it for many years, being persecuted during the reign of Queen Elizabeth I, who was a Protestant. They'd been subject to religious legislation that required them to attend a parish church every Sunday. And it wasn't just that they had to go to church every Sunday. If you didn't go, it was known as And according to an article by Simon Adams in History Today, the penalty for recusancy was originally a one shilling fine. But that ended up going up to 20 pounds a month by 1581, which, I mean, that still sounds like a lot of money today, 20 yeah, pounds. that's was pretty steep. About $40 or so, about that. So Elizabeth had been excommunicated by the Pope, and she saw recusants as potential traitors, thus the, the really high fine and the strict rules about what Catholics had to do. Right. And there were other parts to these penal laws, as they were called, um, one that declared that it was treason, basically to convert a subject to Catholicism and also treason for a Jesuit or a priest to enter the country. People who broke these laws were executed. But toward the end of the 1590s, Catholics started to have a little bit of hope. Elizabeth was getting older and she was childless and didn't have an heir. So there was the thinking, hey, maybe the next monarch would be a little bit more tolerant of Catholics. And when James VI of Scotland took the throne in 1603 after Elizabeth died, making him King James I of England, he kind of seemed to be that guy. His wife, for example, Anne of Denmark, she was Catholic. And with Anne's help, James had sort of campaigned for support from other Catholic powers in Europe and from the Pope also before Elizabeth's death to kind of prepare himself to not have opposition when he took the throne in England. So those things kind of gave Catholics a little bit of hope. They were like, okay, he seems friendly towards Catholics. And also, according to an article in History Review by Pauline Croft, James was pretty open-minded, at least seemed that way at first. He said to have commented that he didn't really want there to be more Catholics in England, so he didn't want there to be more converts or for more people to come in. But if they kept their Catholicness kind of on the down low and followed the law, he wouldn't bother them, or at least there wouldn't be major violence. Uh, Like a live and let live philosophy almost. So Catholics caught wind of this and 
some people thought, well, maybe it means the end of the recusancy laws, period. And some Catholics even went as far as to petition James before his coronation for toleration, really hoping that something would come out of this new monarch. James wouldn't go that far, and he said that he'd suspend the monthly recusancy fines for as long as they continued to support him. So he kind of offered a a halfway bargain there. And he also added a few people with Catholic sympathies to the Privy Council, including the Earl of Northumberland. So, yeah, I mean, that seems like a bit of a win, especially coming after Elizabeth. But for many Catholics, they were just disappointed. That They were disappointed that there weren't more changes than they saw under James. And as evidence of how disgruntled some people were with James already, two plots against the king were discovered as early as June and July 1603. Just to give you an idea of exactly how soon that is, Elizabeth had died in March. Um, so really just a couple months. These plots were called the by and the main plots, and there were different people involved in each, but just to give you a summary of these, in the by plot, the goal was to kidnap the king and his eldest son, Prince Henry, and force James to replace his chief ministers and to declare Catholic toleration. In the main plot, on the other hand, conspirators hoped to get rid of James entirely and to put his English-born cousin, Lady Arabella Stuart, on the throne. According to Croft's article, though, both of these plots were pretty incompetent, which I guess is probably why they didn't work out. But the fact that they were found out didn't stop others from cooking up their own conspiracies, which is where the gunpowder plot begins. So we're going to start talking about this conspiracy by talking about the conspirators specifically. The plot began with a man named Robert Catesby. And Catesby was a devout Catholic, and he had become very disillusioned with the government early on when he saw his father being persecuted for not conforming to Church of England rules. And Catesby himself had been imprisoned for a brief time after fighting in an uprising led by Robert Devereux, who was the second Earl of Essex back in 1601. So Catesby really wasn't like the Catholics who were entering James' reign with a lot of hope and thinking there was a lot of promise. He didn't trust in those promises, and he he wasn't counting on anything. Catesby was also kind of a ringleader of a small group of men who'd taken part in the Essex Revolt with him, including Jack and Kit Wright and Francis Tresham. Other men related to them were also sympathetic to their cause. Thomas Percy, for example, who worked for and was related to the Earl of Northumberland, was brother-in-law to the Wrights. And then Robert and Thomas Wintour, who were known for giving priests refuge in their homes, were related to Catesby. So at first, they hoped that maybe Spain would invade England to help the Catholics, and they offered their support to Spain in that regard. But Spain was actually hoping to end hostility with England at the time and was in the process of starting to negotiate a peace treaty to that effect. So Catesby and his buddies started to give up on Spain as a solution. We're not sure exactly when the idea for the plot started brewing, but by the beginning of 1604, Catesby shared with Tom Wintour that he thought of a way to solve their problem. All right. So in January, the king had announced that he was going to call Parliament soon. And Catesby's idea was to blow up the House of Parliament while they were in session. And apparently Wintour was kind of hesitant about this. But Catesby was a smooth talker and ultimately convinced the gang. So Catesby held a meeting of people who were to be involved in the plot on May 20th, 1604 in London at the Duck and Drake Lodging House in the Strand. And He had three of his posse there, Tom Wintour, Thomas Percy, and Jack Wright. But there was a fifth person to a very important one, 
none other than Guy Fox himself. So Fox is an interesting character in this whole discussion about the tensions between the Protestants and the Catholics. He was a militant Catholic convert from Yorkshire. He was born April 13, 1570, to a Protestant dad and a Catholic mom. His dad died when he was young, though, so his mom and her actions in the underground Catholic community in England really ended up being a big influence on him. Fox also went to St. Peter's School in York, which also had Catholic leanings, so that probably had a big influence in how his views turned out. How he grew up. And that's also where he might have met the Wright brothers. He ended up going into military service abroad, serving in the Spanish Army in the Netherlands from 1593 to about 1604. In 1603, though, he was sent on a diplomatic mission to Spain to try and convince them to invade England, much like Catesby and friends did before. And that's also where he might have come into contact with Catesby's crew through these interactions. So just looking for areas where he might have met up with them or where they may have heard of him. At any rate, Catesby and his fellow plotters needed someone like Fox in the mix. He was their muscle of sorts. He knew something about guns and ammo. And since he'd been away from England for so long, his face was unknown. And that's a key point to remember. Very important because he was going to have to do some sort of reconnaissance type work. So those five conspirators had their meeting in the Strand and they took an oath of secrecy and they said mass and then they talked about the plan. So by that time, Parliament had been in session since March and was expected to last at least a couple months more. So the plan was to lease a house next to the House of Lords chamber in the old palace of Westminster. Then they would dig a tunnel from the cellars of the leased house to the foundations of the chamber and put some gunpowder in there. They'd bring the gunpowder in at night from Catesby's house across the Thames. So you can start to get the sense of why it would be important to not be a guy everybody recognized around town. Yeah, you wouldn't want to be recognized because there was a lot at stake. If this worked, they were going to be blowing up Parliament. They were going to be killing the king, also his son, and his other son was sickly. So the plan after this was to kidnap young Princess Elizabeth and basically make her their puppet queen. But, I mean, the details surrounding this are still kind of sketchy, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. But once they settled on a general plan, or part one of the plan at least, they set to it. Percy leased the house with the help of his connections to the Earl of Northumberland. But then, on July 7th, Parliament was postponed and scheduled to reconvene in February of 1605. Before that meeting ended, though, they did manage to reconfirm all of those penalties that applied to Catholics and recusancy fines were reinstated. So adding fuel to this potential explosive fire. Exactly. So they agreed to start working again in the fall, keep moving towards their plot. But Parliament was delayed again until October 1605, and eventually it was rescheduled again until November 5th. So they agreed to start work again that February. That March, though, they had a stroke of luck. The lease for a ground floor cellar between their tunnel and the House of Lords meeting space became available. According to the BBC, that cellar extended right underneath the House of Lords, so it allowed the plotters to pack the gunpowder, 36 barrels of it in fact, right where it would be the most dangerous. So we're not going to end with a bang for this episode. We're going to keep you hanging and continue with a part two. I know those of you in England, we'll probably get to your celebrations now. You can email us maybe and let us know <laughs> what you what you do for Guy Fawkes Day, whether you have a bonfire or 
sell effigies in the street. Or whether you do anything at all. We're kind of interested to see how many people observe and commemorate this day. And I've read all kinds of strange and neat things that people do to celebrate it. I think I read something about rolling flaming barrels down the street in certain (laughs) towns. Oh, wow. So let us know what you do. Um, if you do anything fun or different where you live, um, we'd love to know. We're at History Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com, or you can look us up on Facebook or on Twitter at Missed in History. And I think we do have a blog post. Molly Edmonds wrote it for um, how-to stuff, like stuff you can do for Guy Fawkes Day. It mostly involves food you can eat. I, I get the idea there are some traditional foods, but you can find that by looking on the blogs on our homepage at www.howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House to Work's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.